So, my name is uh, Rich Gardner, although that's on your thing already. But um, um, so I am with Firm Foundation in Christ Ministries, the um, founder of it. And our whole mission is designed towards following up new believers. Because most of us don't know what to do. I mean, what do you do when somebody receives Christ? Besides give them a Bible, okay? <laughs> so what do you say to them? And how do you help them? And we're ill-prepared to really handle new believers. And that's a, a, a really a problem in, in churches. Because many pastors will say, I want a lot of new believers. I want my church to grow. But are they ready to handle the new believers? Can they handle them? Why should God give them to you if you can't handle them? They're just going to learn bad habits and not grow up right. I heard a story, uh, actually it's on a movie, you probably guys have seen the movie, but it says uh, there was two farmers. Both asked God for rain. Okay? One went back to, the, to his home, the other prepared his fields. Which one trusted God? And the one who prepared his fields. And I say to the pastor, are you ready? Is your church ready for new believers? Have them trained in how to help them. And they say, God, give us as many as you want. We're ready. We're ready. And that's what our training is is about, is trying to prepare uh, church members, leaders, pastors, how to handle new believers so that they grow up well. You know the scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go, right? And when he's old, he won't. Well, you need to train a new believer that way. How do they live their life? From the very beginning, because it's really hard afterwards. They learn a lot of bad habits, you know, like Christianity is all about going to church. That's it. Is that true? No, it's not. But many people believe it. I've said to my uh, senior pastor at my church, I said, you know what, we should get up in front of the congregation, or you should do this, and say, if we communicate it, that Christianity is only about uh, receiving Christ and living any way you want, we're sorry. Our bad. You know, there's a lot of things you need to do as a new believer. They're required. They don't pay for your sins. Not a single one. Only the blood of Jesus pays for your sins. But they're still required. Is that true? That you have a lot of things you are supposed to do, you have to do, by the command of God, as a believer. It's not an option. And, you know, sometimes new believers think, that it's, uh, well, that's like a, that's a bait and switch. The evangelist told me, all I have to do is this. And now you're telling me, I have a lot of other things I need to do as a believer. That's not fair. And I've complained to a lot of evangelists about that. I taught over at Multnomah, a group of evangelists. I said, the most difficult thing you do that causes me problems, well, first of all, is you depersonalize Jesus. You make him an object that you believe in. It's causing me problem as a follow-up worker because I'm trying to teach that he is a being that you relate to. And you made him an object that you just believe in. I said, stop doing that. And you'll help me. Because what are the most important things you would think of if you were to say, 
Ah, these are the most important things that you would do to help a new believer. What would they be? I'm sorry, my teaching is going to be different. Uh, When I teach new believers, we talk. We discuss. Um, I say, I don't want your right answer. I want a right life. Okay? But we talk. And usually when I train, I'm going to Ethiopia on, on Wednesday. I'm going to train uh, 60 pastors there. It usually takes them a day or a day and a half till they get used to this. So you only have a short time that we talk about it. Because it's about life, right? You're not, when you go to heaven, you're not going to be given a test, pass, fail, right? Peter's not going to meet you at the gate and say, okay, now you've got to pass this last one. No. It's about, you know, how your faith lived out in life. How you lived. And I'm going to test you. I, I'm pushing them all the time. About the second day, they're telling us, push us. Push us more. Because I say, I'm going to do that to you. And I'm going to push you here tonight a little bit. But you only get an, an hour of it. Okay, there's a lot more to say. Okay, but one of the things I'd say is, what do you want to say? What would you say? You're mature believers, right? What's the most important thing? Praying. Okay, what else? The Word. Okay. Fellowship with believers. I'm just writing this stuff down. Yeah. Reasonableness. I forget how I would... Reasonable. Yeah, there you go. Reason. There you go. Love God. Okay. A lot of things you would teach them. What are the most important thing that you would say that would have the most difference? I'm working with Muslims now, converts. And um, I work with former sheikhs. And I say to them, okay, give me five of the most important things that would make the difference in a convert's life. If I teach them this, if I get them to do this, I've made a big impact in their life. Well, for instance, one of the, one of the things that you need to do is, is to pray is not a good directional asking. Right. It's about relationship. Right. Reading word is also about relationship. So it's very important that that walk from the outset is all about relationship. Well, you read my two materials. <laughs> really, because... It is. And prayer, Billy Graham said prayer is what? A two-way communication. Right? Is that true? And we believers, we know that. When we talk to God, He communicates to us. Now, it's not through our ears and, you know, things like that. But somehow God knows how to do it, and He does it. And I can't even explain it very well. But I know He does communicate with me when I pray. And that's what prayer is. But the key, the first thing you can do, the best thing you can do. I mean, we'll teach, we teach them how to read the Bible and pray all along, but it's in the context of relationship. What? We do it with them. Yes, that's part of it. And that's why we don't do a lot in classroom there. I usually spend more time outside and, and doing things like that because it's life that we're talking about. This is a life that we're living. Not something we memorize. Now, before I go on with that, I want to just say, because you are, uh, you're not new believers, is what we, what we try and do, we train our trainers to do, is we say there's three types of changes we want after, the, what we, um, after we're teaching you this lesson. 
we, uh, and with a new believer. We want a knowledge change, right? Unfortunately, that's, we're really good at knowledge change. You know what I mean? I want them to know something different. And some people leave it at that. Matter of fact, most of the books that you read on, in Christian um, bookstores, they're saying, if you know this, you'll be different. Now, I've been a Christian 40 years. I can say that's not true. It's part of it. But, you know, uh uh-uh. I know a whole lot of things. I know I should love my wife, right? I know it really well. You don't have to even tell me about that. But do I do it the way I should? I don't need more knowledge, I'm telling you. Okay. Knowledge, you need to have knowledge. Yes, you do need to have knowledge. But don't stop there. What's another thing you would say they need? Alright, so practice. That's the last one. Okay, what do you think that middle one might be? What is necessary? What? Compassion. Confession. Okay, but let me give you an example, because I'm going to have you think about this. We have relationship. I hope you got that down. I'm running out of space here. Well, maybe we can do it over there. So, um, take the example of prayer. You're going to teach them to pray, right? I hope so. So, what do they need to pray? What do you need? Did you? I mean, I'm here. I am a new believer. Okay. So. So that may be one specific thing, but remember, you know, you want to get really simple here. Okay. So first of all, you want to teach them what prayer is, right? Okay. What is prayer? Okay. That's the first thing. So the second thing, and the third thing, of course, you got that. They got to pray, right? That's practice. The third thing, the second thing, which is hardest, is attitude. A change. You want a change in their attitude. And this is what my wife used to say when we had young kids. It's easy to change a diaper. It's hard to change an attitude. Yeah. Uh, you, <laughs> I know there's a lot of amens, I'm sure I'll get with that one. You know, with bad kids, it's like, change their attitude. So, what do I mean by that? Well, that, I mean that they have to value prayer. They have to want to pray. And, uh, and like prayer, all like that. Because, you know, that's what it needs to do to change you. I know I should pray, right? I, you know you should pray, right? And sometimes out of guilt you'll practice it and doing things like that. But do you value prayer? Do you, how do you get somebody to value prayer? Go ahead. I mean, they have to know that there is value in the praying. Right. So, oh, yeah, thank you. We teach that too. Go ahead. If, if you believe when you pray that God is going to respond, that there's going to be a, 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 an action on the other side of it. So right. if I talk to you and I say, look, um, I'd like to get with you and go have a cup of coffee. If I, if I don't think, if I think that's a waste of time, I'm never going to say the words at all. Right. Right? Yeah. So it's it's you have to believe that you're you're speaking with someone who he is, so that you're trusting in right. who he is, uh, and then you respond. Yeah, and you're getting into also our second most important thing, which I hope we get time to do too, but we'll see. But you're mixing the two, which is proper because uh, we need both. The first one is relationship, 
and we'll talk about the second one later, but you're, you're mentioning it there in what you're saying as well. So we do need the knowledge and change the attitude. That's tough, right? It's a lot easier for people like us professors or something like that to get up and teach knowledge, right? That's simple. Relatively, you know. But how do you get them to want to pray? How? What would you say? If I was a new believer, and I do this in my class, I'll tell you, at overseas. I'll try one example here because we don't have a lot of time. Okay, I'm a new believer. Okay, uh, here I am. I'm watching some football. Uh, yeah, it is football here too. But uh, I'm watching football. You heard that I'm not praying. What would you say to me? What would you say to me? To get me a want to pray. I will pray, and I'll pray while you're here, but you haven't changed my desire yet. Now, I want you to think. That's why uh, I teach a little differently. Go ahead. I don't know if this is where you're headed, but because um, I did have an opportunity with my niece who's 13. Yeah. Did lead her to the Lord and went and bought the Bible and right. left it there. So this class will be helpful to me and what to do next. But one of the things I did explain to her is the same as she has a best friend. Um, you know, you have a best friend. You know, it right. might sound very basic, but right. to her, um, trying to explain to her her relationship with the Lord and yeah. um, you know, and her need for spending time with Him, right. and that's the praying. Um, you know, you have your best friend. You know your best friend. Right. You have your best friend. It's, you know, get to know them by talking with them. Right. Well, and you're getting, you're actually jumping down just five minutes from here because I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But try and get me to want to pray. What do I? Why do I want to pray? Hey, I'm a busy guy. Yeah, I can understand. I know that I'm a sinner. So, but what? Help you get closer to God's perfect prescription for living. That's a lot of tough words, which we never use to a new believer, but I mean, I'm just saying, say it in, say it in simple terms, because new believers say, hey, we have Christianese. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And it's easy for us to go back to our Christianese, and then we haven't helped them. Uh, and that's, I'm, I'm just trying to... Yeah, Tell them about an answer to prayer. Yeah, you could do that, or you could say something like, hey, listen, are you looking for a job? You know, you know God answers prayer. You want a job, right? Yeah. Well, God listens to your prayers. And so you should be praying. I mean, because God hears our prayers. You have a sick whoever, you know. Well, are you concerned about them? And God answers prayers. He does, but you need to ask, right? You need to ask. Do you want those things? And then we're going to talk about relationship in a minute there. But it also builds your relationship. That's what we teach in our materials, is the materials which we use in different parts of the world. One of the advantages of prayer is it builds relationship. And so you spend time with God. I mean, um, all right, I'll let me get into the part, and then I'm going to go right to the relationship. Uh, because people will say, people, what we say is people will leave a religion, but not a relationship. Do you understand what I mean by that? If all they have studied is about things that they need to memorize, you can leave that. But you won't leave your friend, will you? We say the question I asked, uh, let's see now, 
who's married here but doesn't have a spouse or her spouse? I'll ask you a question. Your spouse? Okay, I'll ask you. Now, if you could spend one place for the rest of your life, where would you be? Would you rather spend it in Hawaii by yourself or with uh, your wife in Death Valley? Why? You'd enjoy yourself in Hawaii. <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying to pick a good place. Okay? So, but do you understand what I'm saying here? If you build a new believer's relationship with Jesus Christ, and they will have tough times, you know that. We all do. They will never leave him. So one of the best things that you can do is build a relationship to Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? For what you're saying here. But how do we? You know, Jesus said... To those people he was sending away, I never knew you. What does that mean? Doesn't God know everybody? What does he mean, I never knew you? There we go. No relationship with him. And... um, Yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, how do you build that relationship how do you do that and yes right the changed heart comes from God and then we can see right. the change in the countenance we can see right. the hunger and the thirst right. the practices yes whatever those practices right. are and you're right what, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about post conversion yeah okay Pre-conversion, you have to, uh, you know, talk about uh, a lot of other things, and then they need the Holy Spirit. Okay, when I talk to somebody that's a believer, I'm assuming they have the Holy Spirit. Is that true? That's right. That's right. So I know the Holy Spirit is going to be working on them as I'm talking. You know, as long as I'm doing biblical things, He will be confirming. This is what you need to do. So, um, yeah. His question to him and remind him that all other kings and universe right. are very extremely busy, so busy they won't have time for uh, no. Now, this kingdom we have in the universe of Jesus, yeah. he can hear anyone and everyone in the He can. He wants to hear from him. He yeah. wants to yeah. give his love for him. And then, with that basic introduction, that we listen to the Spirit we have an agenda to talk to him in our own mind and heart, right? Yeah. We want to see him have a full relationship with the Lord, but in our listening, our listening to him is imperfect. So we need to hear from what the Spirit says. We need to right. We need to listen to them, but remember, we have an agenda. Yeah. I know that sounds bad. It sounds like a countercultural. But you know, Paul had an agenda too. He did. He says, I want you to know these things. I want you to do these things. You know, he has an agenda. So it's not wrong to have an agenda. Okay? It's wrong not to listen and interact with them. Like, I'm interacting with you right now. But I have my own agenda. I'm going somewhere. And Paul has one. And you should have one too that where you want to take them. Don't be afraid of that. Because you have been in the Lord how many years? They're looking to you. 
saying, hey, if you don't know, then <laughs> if you're just having me talk, I mean, I'm not really going to get it. But uh, developing that relationship and knowing Jesus. I mean, so do you know Jesus? Yeah. You know Are you sure? All right. Then tell me about it. That's, that's a lot of the key in discipleship altogether. I know. And we do that. Actually, um, here, I'm going to give you something extra, too, a little bit. When we teach Scripture, we teach it four ways. Okay? You won't, hear, you won't read about this anywhere, let me tell you. But, um, and I'll go back to Scripture, but I have We teach Scripture four ways. We teach, first of all, as we want them to change. We teach them, if, whatever we want them to change comes from the Word of God, right? It's in the Word of God. So you can't teach them to do anything that's not in the Word of God, right? So it's in the Word, okay? And most people stop that. They proof text, basically, okay? But then uh, we go to the next step and we say, okay, uh, then there should be somebody, maybe in the Bible, biblical character, that has acted that way. Don't you think that makes sense? I mean, if it's so important, somebody should have. Right? So we look for biblical examples that we can share with them. Hey, listen, you not only need to be humble, but you know there's people in the Bible that were humble. Jesus was humble, right? Okay, so humility is important. Not only because it says we should be humble, that's number one. Number two is we look for biblical examples, right, of it. I should just put examples. But anyway, the third... Well, if this is an important part of the church, you know, universal, somebody in, in church history should have exhibited, right? We have 2,000 years of church history. Was there nobody humble in those 2,000? Because if it's not in the church, generally speaking, then it must have died out. It wasn't important to God anymore, right? So you should be able to find somebody... And that could be, your, I'll call church history not just the 2,000 years. Could it be somebody your friends or something like that or somebody you know? It's an example. This person was humble. So you should not only be humble because it says it. I've shown you some examples of people in the Bible who have done it. And I also know people who are humble. Now you know the fourth thing is going to be. That's you. Okay, church history. Have you ever struggled with humility? Have you have examples for them? No, I never Oh, oh, that's good. I'll ask your wife. <laughs> All right, so, um, and these are some things you can take away in this short hour. Show them you. I have so many examples in my life. I've been in the Lord 40 years. You mean I've never have an example of me dealing with humility? I mean, I should. doesn't mean I've conquered it. doesn't mean, but there should be something there. And, and so if you are a new believer and you're hearing, I need to be humble. The Word of God teaches it. There's people in the Bible that were humble. I've heard of other people who are humble. And you have worked with it too. That's a compelling, a preponderance of evidence, you would call it, or something like that, legally. This helps a new believer, okay? Not just say, you know, and prayer could be the same way. Do you pray? Do you take time for prayer? Oh yeah, I've struggled with it too, and I have prayed. You know what I mean? I... I, I do, especially when things are going a certain way. I'm there before the Lord. And when I really feel I need to spend time with the Lord, I am there. Do you do it? Does a new believer know that? You think that would be important for them to hear? 
Exactly. Now you're learning how to work with new believers that way. Um, that's uh, sidetrack number two. But you're learning these things, okay? I can't teach you everything in this short hour, okay? I have a whole week that I usually do this with. But about relationship, tell me about Jesus. You said you know him. Tell me about him. I'm a new believer, okay? Just received Christ. Tell me about Jesus. Okay, he's the son of God. Okay. What else? Lived 2,000 years ago. Okay, now, as we got a few, I mean, you can give me some more. These are facts about Jesus. Right, these are facts about him. Now, I'm going to give you some help. I'm going to give you some help. Okay, I guess part of my pushing here. Again, who's married? This wife's not here, please. Okay, you want to try it? Uh, sure, why not? Okay. Tell us about your wife. Oh, okay. Maybe I should take... Uh, <laughs> whose wife? Uh, you? Tell us about your wife. She is a beautiful redhead. She is my partner. Okay. Do you understand his wife? Do you? Uh, no, no, no. Here, push. No, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I, I'm going somewhere. So there are facts about your wife. There are facts about your wife. Now let me give you. But also. Oh, uh, wait. Okay. I'm not going to tell you. All right. No, no, no. Sorry. Said, you know, I'm trying to give an example. I'm working backwards, but at first I got to go here. I'm going to give you an example about my daughter. And I, I do this in Nigeria, I do it all over. But anyway, um, I say, I know my daughter. Uh, and she was, she was getting married. I took out her fiancé to, to lunch or dinner. I can't remember. It's lunch, I think. And I said, tell me why you love my daughter. Okay? And he told me some things. And I said, I want to tell you now about my daughter. I've known my daughter for 25 years. And she's a kind person. Anytime we were in Nigeria and a, a, um, a bird died, uh, landed on the ground, she went out immediately and fixed it. She tried to, to do that. When we were catching fish, she, we'd catch a fish, she'd go on the other end and she'd release it. So we didn't take her fishing much. But <laughs> Very kind and compassionate. That's my daughter. That's who she is. Have I known her for I said, I know you're going to have tough times in your marriage. Everyone does. But you could count on my daughter and being kind. That's who she is. I know her. Now, I told you about my daughter. Do you understand a bit more about her? Now, I'm going to backpedal and say, now tell us about your wife. <laughs> All right. And what I do... She's very... Well, she has a big heart. Give us an example. Well, for the ministry that we do, we've been camping for 30 years. Oh, well, I want an example. Uh, well, she just does for everybody. Like, uh, right now, she does uh, a lot of things. But today, she, is, uh, she went this morning before we even came here to uh, fix breakfast for 
neighbor down the road who had a heart attack. All right. And so All right, now we're, get, we're getting somewhere. We can see a little bit more about your wife like that. And, you know, that's good. We get to see who your wife is. Now, I'm backpedaling now to Jesus. Now tell me who Jesus is. Someone is always going to be present when you're away. He's always present. Right there. Okay. Tell me who he is, because I don't know. He's a God of hope. What do you mean by that? He's a God, like, has he ever done that to you? How? Anyway, one of my favorite verses is uh, Philippians 1 6, and it talks to us about um, that God started a work and He's faithful to complete, right. which gives me hope yes. in the people in my life that are here right. because I know they're going to be here. God works in them. Okay. Life, and that gives me hope. So He does give you hope. Now, tell me a little bit more about Jesus. What's He like? What did He do most of the time when He was on earth? Like how? What? He ministered to people's needs through uh, healing ministries. So he uh, healed people. Them about and he taught. He healed. Why did he heal? Because he had compassion. He had compassion. Is that true? Does Jesus have compassion? He is compassionate. How many times did he heal? Matter of fact, to me, it was too much. If I was Peter, I'd go up to you know Jesus and say, "Hey, late Jesus, we're healing too many people. We should go to Jerusalem and set up the school of Jesus, right? And teach, right?" But he didn't. He cared about people. Right. He did because he cares. Now has he changed? When he went to heaven, now he's not that way anymore. No, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Right. Yes, he does know them as well. But the thing that impresses me is, and I know I'm going to go through typical times, and you as a new believer will. But I know he cares for me. I know there will be a time when that ends. Because he can't help but care for me. That's who he is. That's why I'll never leave Jesus Christ. Because he cares. The Muslim God doesn't care for you. He doesn't. He's mean. He's harsh. And I know that. They tell me all about it. But our God cares. Jesus cares. That's who He is. Like I told my uh, the fiancé, you can count on my daughter being kind. You can count on Jesus being kind. So you see that when you communicate this to, to Jesus is a being. Jesus is a person that cares. This is why I will stay with Him. And it will be tough at times. But he cares. And I, he's done that many times, and I can give examples that he has just shown his care for me. Isn't that wonderful? Is that true? Is that good news? You think you can help a new believer by just communicating that? He cares for you. And, I, and you can give examples. I can many times, and I won't because of time here. I would if I was teaching a whole class on this. Okay. Then how do you get to that relationship? <laughs> How? How can I build the relationship? With Jesus. Yes. Prayer. Sorry, because you're talking about you know with the new believer. So, but yeah, you you know you it's it's very much like children. Um, You you start with trying. 
wants to see him answer. God right. wants to do that. You're oh, not telling them to do anything. He's not willing and ready and, and desiring to do himself. As that happens, and they begin to see that's true, they'll talk to you about that. Yeah. You can begin to build upon that right. and say, he'll do more. He'll work in these other ways. Yes. And they'll begin to trust your word and his word. Yes. Then he'll do what he says. And those have a lot of good benefits for it. The main one I'm looking for is how do I start that? How do I build it? Now, I'll ask you the question again. How did you build your relationship with your husband and wife? I mean, <laughs> did you write her emails and text her? And that was it? <laughs> I, asked, I asked all over. I say, listen, if I asked single people, a single girl. I say, if a guy just texted you and emailed you, would you marry him? No. You wouldn't. How you build that relationship? You have to time. Exactly. Is that a secret? No. That's not a secret, right? That's how we do with human relationships. And that's what you need to do with Jesus Christ. You have to spend time. My daughter uh, was in uh, our house one day and she texted me something from the other room. From the other, you know how this generation. Sorry, I should put them down. I walked in the other room and I said, "Honey, I will never answer a text from you in this house. Our relationship has not gone to that level. You come and talk with me. You know, if she's outside the house or whatever it is, you know, I mean, uh, in another house or something, that's fine. But our relationship's not going to be like that. We have one. Come and talk with me. I'm not going to just text you." So one of the things that you can say is you want to build your relationship with Jesus Christ. You've got to spend time with Him. There's not a secret to that. It works in our human relationship. So spend time with Him in prayer. Just You don't have to say a whole lot. You know, I heard one guy who was uh, hundreds of years ago. Somebody said, I mean, he spent like hours there. And he says, what do you say to him? I said, oh, well, I don't know. I just look at him and he looks at me. And we communicate with each other. We spend time together. We get to know each other. I talk to God a lot in prayer. Because I have a lot of questions for Him. I don't understand some of the things about the Bible. I said, you know, could you just let me know what's going on here? And, and talk. And talk back. That's what a relationship is all about. And that's how you build it. If you don't spend time with God, you will not. And then, you know, when we get to heaven, I don't want to say, oh, Jesus, I'm over here, you know. But I want him to know me like I know him. Okay? And this is the number one thing you can do. You know, Martin Luther said, I would rather be in hell with Jesus than in heaven without him. Do you understand what he meant there? A hundred percent. Now, we know he's going to be in heaven, okay? But, you know, the best thing about heaven is not, to me anyway, the gold streets and uh, everything. They're going to be nice and everything like that. But it's being with the person that loved me. And care for me all my life. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what Paul said. For me to live is, uh, well, me to die. Wait a second. Thank you. There we go. To live is Christ. Even said, you know. So and to die is gain. Okay. So he wanted to be with Christ. It's much better for him to say that. He had a relationship with Jesus. So build it. Build that relationship so they will never leave him, and you'll help him. You'll help the new believer. Help them. That's the number one thing. And uh, good. We still have time. Good. Um, it's 30 minutes, right? The second most important thing you can do for a new believer 
Uh, okay, any ideas what that might be? Here it is. Got it. Okay. What can you build on? All right, I'm going to... I would draw it out because I don't let any of the pastors would make me answer it. We sit there for 10 minutes sometimes. But I have a whole week with that. There's a difference. And um, so it is that you're going to teach them that this life is a life of faith. Okay? That's how we live now. You know, we used to live according to our sight, right? When we were non-Christians, we had to reason everything through. Things had to make sense to us, right? In order to live that way. Now, is that true as a Christian? There is a lot of things that don't make sense. All right, I have to turn my left cheek when somebody strikes me on the right. Is that... Why do I want to do that? That doesn't make sense at all, right? Why should I do that? Why should I turn my cheek? Why? I don't want to do that. Why do I do it? Why do you do it? If somebody came up back and slapped you, well, and you turn your right cheek, why would you do that? That's right. Yeah, well, why, why shouldn't I repay evil for evil? I mean, that makes total sense to me, right? I should. I should whack them back twice as long, twice as hard. And, you know, they do do that in many countries, particularly. So, explain to me why I should do it. I'm a new believer. Why should I do that? That doesn't make sense. Go ahead. Yes. Right. Right. And then you have it. Exactly. You can do all those things. It's not that hard. You don't have. This isn't rocket science. You do. You lived as a believer. You have. You have examples like me. I'm sharing a lot of different examples in my life because I've lived as a believer. Yes. Well, that's it. The word says it, and uh, you know, I trust God. It doesn't make sense to me, but I live a life of faith. Now, if I want to be first, what do I need to be? Wait a second. You're confusing me a lot. (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) Does that make sense? No. Then why should I live like that? It's because I live a life of faith. I trust God. And you know, faith, everybody's born with faith in the sense of, um, you know, when they're born again. But it's like a muscle. It needs to be developed. A baby can't run a marathon, right? But you, you have to stretch it. And this is what I tell people when, I'm, when you're dealing you stretch it. You don't answer all their questions, for one thing. They have to trust God. They have to. Like I say, well, explain to me uh, the Trinity. Okay? How can there be three uh, persons and one being? How's that possible? It's like a three-week color. Um, it's all one plant. It's Yeah, but uh, that's not the same way it's described in the Bible. The Bible says they're completely separate. They're mixed without confusion. Or less than... The three leaves of the globe, each one is separate. Well, maybe, sometimes. With it. But why? I mean, it doesn't... It's still... I mean, you're talking about some of these things that 
They're, they're imperfect. Some people use the egg and stuff. No, I don't even use any of that stuff when I'm explaining. Consider old man the water. Water is a molecule that that sometimes if the conditions are right, yeah. Or sometimes the solid form of the water floats on the face of the water. Yeah. So it's the same molecule. It's water, right? Yeah. But it has different manifestations, different characteristics depending on okay. the situation. Okay, let me stop you there. I, I see where you're headed. And I'm saying I don't go into any of that. You know, I, you know, and this is what I'm doing. I'm doing it on purpose with that. What I'm saying is, listen, I have never seen in my life, because we're always, you know, I have to see it. I've never seen three uh, persons in one being. How can it be? Well, the Bible teaches it. And that's the way God is. Okay? Get over it. <laughs> you know, basically, I say that he's different than you and me. He's different. Can he? Is he allowed to be different? Yeah. 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 Can you change him? Well, good luck with that. You know what I mean? He's different. When I get to heaven, I will see it perfectly. But when you get to the reasoning thing, sometimes it, 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 may, it says, "I won't do anything until I understand it," and I'm pushing them here. Particularly with that example, say, just, you know, it says it. Listen, that's the way he is. You know, we'll understand it when we get to heaven. And uh, that's it. That's all I teach about that. The word, I don't see any guarantee in Scripture that we'll ever understand. Yeah, we may not in heaven, but at least we'll see it somehow. And uh, But I trust it by faith. I've never seen it because some many things that we deal by faith it's because we don't see it and how it makes sense and I'm trying to get the new believer to the habit of accepting things to the word of God even though they don't make sense so I don't explain everything I don't God's thinking is so high above our we can't possibly comprehend everything he said well I know well that's and apprehend it but not comprehend it and why old pastor once told me the minute you think you've understood the concept of the Trinity fairly, that's a sure sign that you've done that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, what was the example you were using? Uh, forget that. Ex- you were using an example that I was thinking about that example. But then I forgot what, it. What the pastor told me? Yeah. As soon as you think you totally understand the Trinity, that's a sure sign that you don't. Yeah, well, I know. And so it needs to be accepted by faith. You have to get them in the habit. This is a life change, right? It's a, what I would say to you, not to them. It's a modus operandi. You know what I mean by that? It's a way of living. We live by faith. Is that true? We not only receive Jesus Christ by faith, but we live. The righteous will live by faith, right? And we live there. And so, um, you know, like, did Jesus ever live by faith? Did he live by faith? Every day. Well, how? How do you know that? Where did he show up? I can't do that because of time. But uh, how about when he was um, in the um, he was uh, fasting for forty days, right? And the devil said to him, "You know, turn these stones into bread." Well, why didn't he do that? I mean, here he was. 
He was close to death, most likely. He didn't know the angels were coming in a few minutes. Could have been another 40 days. Nobody told him. Why didn't he do it? He could have said, hey, listen, I am gonna, I have to die for the people. I've got to be crucified. So I should change it because I have a good goal in mind. I should change it. So, devil, you're right. I should change it, and I'm going to live that way. But he didn't do that. He did. Man. Yes. That speaks by the mouth of God. Right. Proceeds from mouth. What he did was, and this is what my example was, he trusted his father. Yes. He said, my father will not let me die. Devil, I'm going to trust him. If it's another 40 days, I'll wait. If it's another 60 days, I'll wait. So I'm trusting my father. And that's what, what Jesus, that's his example. So Jesus could say that to Peter. Uh, you know, um, well, where was your faith in the storm? Well, uh, you know, Peter should have said, oh, I left it at the beach. Who, uh, <laughs> didn't you pack it, Andrew? Um, you know, they needed to believe. And how long do you believe? How long? Well, how long did Noah believe? Between the time that he got the uh, warning to the time the rains came. It's about a hundred, it's depending, it was a hundred years. That's a long time, don't you think, to believe. I mean, imagine after the first ten years, you know, you're building the ark, and, you know, no rain. He didn't live in Oregon, so. Uh, but, no rain, but I'm still going to believe. I mean, that, that, besides that ark that they had to build, I know. Noah and his sons, yeah. it took them a long time to build that ark. Sure did, it sure did, and every year, they were believing God. 50 years, 75 years. Can you believe that long? Do you, can you trust God that long? 100 years. I believe. That's how, how long we need to teach. It takes a while. So we have to trust God all that time. That's our life. A life of trust that we need to do. So easier to do that though, knowing what's on the other side. Yes, it does, uh, in some ways. Well, let me ask you, how long did Abraham believe? From the time that he was told, um, I'm sending you out to get a city of your own. Well, he never received it. He believed his whole life. He's an example of someone who trusted his whole life. And that's what we do as believers. So you understand this, right? All right, let me give you a test. Because you, you say you understand that, right? You have any questions? You live a life of faith? All right. All right, I'll give you a test. All right, now I'm a new believer. Okay? I have a girl, a fiancé. She is not a believer. I've shared the gospel with her. She's refused. I, she said she will never receive Jesus Christ. I've had the pastor talk and everybody. So what should I do? Now who? I'm going to pick one. Just one somebody's going to volunteer. Who's going to talk with me? Who wants to talk with me? All right. Well, you've been speaking a lot, so let me give somebody another chance. I know. I mean, it's okay. I want to give somebody else a chance. 
Who? I mean, what do you want me to do? Should I go marry her? We need to see what the Bible says. Well, why don't you talk with me then? I'm a new believer. You led me to Jesus Christ. Yes. So, what do you guys say to me? Oh, all right, hold on for a second. I'll try to chance. Who's gonna? Who wants to talk? You don't care what I'm gonna do? <laughs> no, I don't. Continue your faith. What? Continue oh, your faith. That doesn't tell me. I'm gonna marry her next month. And maybe she'll come along eventually. Is that what we should do? Come on, somebody. I know. I want to get somebody. All right. Um, I'll pick, all right. We'll try him first. And then we'll see. Because he usually takes a few people, but that's okay. So no, come up and talk with me. All right. This is good. Your name? Uh, Christopher. Hey, Christopher. Good to see you again. Thank you for leading me to Jesus Christ. I am so happy. I'm, I'm really glad you came to believe in Jesus, too. Mm-hmm. Um, how's your girlfriend doing? Ah, oh, she's doing great. She is so beautiful, and she makes so much good food, I'm telling you. No, the, food, the food's really important. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> good food, I, I, really, I really value it. Thank you, thank you. Um, you know, I, I know you've been trying to witness to her. How, how, how's that been going? Uh, she just turned it away. She said she'll never receive Jesus Christ. Never? Never. She said never. That's, that's really unfortunate. Have you, have you had anyone else try talking to her? Yeah, Pastor did and others, but she has just turned it down. That's that's really rough. Um, yeah, hey, sorry. I want you to, to come to the wedding. Really, I want you to be an official there too. <laughs> so you know, I, I, I have been wanting to talk to you because you know God does um, talk about this in the scriptures. Oh, He does. Um, yes. Um, you know, so when when you're a believer and you're, you marry somebody who's a non-believer, it creates a situation that God says it's, it's called being unequally yoked. Unequally uh, yoked? What in the world so is that? It's basically it's it's a contrasting of you want to go and follow what God wants, um, and you want to follow His word. But if somebody's a non-believer, there's a very high risk that they're going to be in contrast to that. They want to go on a different route. You know what she said? I could go to church. No problem. And I could go to Bible study. No problem. But she doesn't want to follow Jesus. No, she doesn't. What you don't know is down the road is she's going to want to go down a part of the path that God doesn't want you to go into. And at that point, you're you're married, and it's going to become very difficult because God, above all things, hates divorce. Yeah, uh, and so right now you're not married, and so if you if you walk out of this honorably, it, it doesn't fall into divorce. But if if you marry her, this is this is a lifelong commitment. It's, so so what should I do? What are you saying? It's, it's a very difficult situation, and it's 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 not fun at all. But what God would want you to do is this: is this is a difficult time. It's like a trial. And that you have to explain that because you love her so much, um, that you, you can't you can't go through this because you don't want to go. You mean I can't marry her? That that's what God would say, and it's because He loves you. And what am I going her. to do? I love her, and she loves me. What am I going to do? So it's it's a, it's a difficult balance that you run into. So you know you have what God says, and in a relationship, you're supposed to love Him and follow His commands. 
so this is kind of a, this is a test. It's all uh, where he's asking you do, you, do you want to follow me or do you want to follow right. somebody you, else? He's not doing a bad job with this. You can see it. Not as. It's better than a lot of people. So I'm to let you go. But you know, you've got to tell them the truth. Now, as you, as a follow-up worker, you always tell the truth. No matter what, how much they don't want to hear it. You know, if you're a doctor and I have cancer, you know, I don't want you to come in and say, hey, everything's okay. Just go home and enjoy your life. How few it is. But, you know, um, no, you've got to tell them. You cannot marry her. You cannot, because the Bible, and, I, and one thing he didn't do, but that's okay, is show me in Scripture where it says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you're supposed to marry a believer. You have to, right? And if he says, what am I going to do? What would you say? What is God? You trust God. Again, we get to, back to the point, does he care for you? If he doesn't, find some other God. And that's what I tell people. Then you should just leave God and find someone who does care about you. And then they said, no, 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 no. I said, well, no. Then if he really does, you got to depend on him. Does he care for you? Yes, he does. I trust him. That's our life. That's the way I live. That's the way other believers live. That's the way the Lord did. That's how we live. If you teach them that in the beginning, and you start developing their faith like that, you've helped them. Help them how to live a life. We're going to teach them how to, uh, to read the Word of God. And we have examples in my booklet how to do all these things in all relationship. But remember those two things. Build their relationship with Jesus. Build it, have it strong. And always be talking about Him, what He's done for you in your life. And, and how much you've trusted Him. And you have. You know, I know we want humility. But don't discredit the Holy Spirit by not saying what He's done. You say, He has done this in my life. And I want to tell you about it. Okay? So build the relationship and, and teach them and help them to start living that life of faith. Because that will go all, the, all throughout their life. They'll have problems with their children getting sick, with getting jobs or whatever like that. And if they built that habit... Early on, then they'll start trusting him in those circumstances as well. Okay, you have any questions on this? When you're teaching someone a new convert to pray, how do you avoid the danger of them thinking that prayer is going to be like getting wishes granted? Yeah, well, there's, um, you know, we teach about prayer in here, what we do, um, and how you pray, and we use Hannah's prayer. You know, Hannah prayer, what she did. And uh, she just, what did she do there? What did Hannah do? Did she start with Genesis and start saying all these things and end up with Revelation? What did she do? It's scripture says she poured out her heart. Can you do that? Was that pleasing to God, first of all? I mean... Because a lot of people, they shout and they do all sorts of prayer. Well, that's not for God. He can hear quite well. Um, what was important to God in prayer? Now, I'm teaching a lesson on prayer, but uh, a little bit. But yes, she, she mumbled, right? How do we know God was happy? He could have said, hey, Hannah, you know you're doing a good job, really. But you, yes, he does. Now, I say that to a new believer. Can you do that? 
Because they hear all these wonderful prayers in church and they think, I can't do that. But if you follow Hannah's example, pour out your heart, then you please God. Is that true? And Hannah did please God, didn't she? Because she got the baby, right? He didn't add anything more onto it. He didn't say, well, you got to do a lot more things, you know, Hannah. Uh, no. So, I mean, that's basically how we, we, we talk, uh, teach a new believer, is just to follow Hannah's example. Right now, there's many things. You can talk a month on prayer. But in the beginning, I'm going to make it simple. Follow, just pour out your heart to God. And then you'll be praying and pleasing God. Okay, can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. All right. All right, any other questions? I have a question. Yes. So I've been on the um, outreach and um, there's been opportunities for people to receive Christ. Yeah. And we've invited them to our church. However, we're downtown and our church is not downtown. Yeah. So it's not really feasible. Yeah. Um, I didn't give my phone number out and say call me. So what kind of a... Uh, yeah, well, they need follow-up. They do need follow-up. And there's, so I face, I mean, you have to uh, make that judgment call a little bit, but uh, I know I would do my best to communicate with them, meet with them again or something like that. You know, I run into a lot, I'm in a lot of dangerous situations. I'm in Nigeria, and the last time I was out there, they had armed guards guarding me because they were afraid I was going to be uh, shot or killed or something like that. And I do it. You know, I trust God. I use as much wisdom as I can. But in the end, you know, we need to trust God for our, for our lives. I mean, with with normal reason in, in that sense, you don't go to a dark place with them. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. Uh, if I may add, uh, yeah. what our church used to do uh, was, um, you know, that information would be given to a central person. Right. Right. Man would be better. Yeah. Somebody went back. But just don't leave them by themselves, you know, because... You could have a list of other churches perhaps closer yeah. to them that are really faithful. And you could. Yeah. And you could connect it. Is it okay if I give your name to so-and-so who's going to follow up? You know, the thing is, we're not after just decisions because that uh, is a problem in, in life. Um, we want people to live and stay with them. And that's what got me into this. I showed the Jesus film. I had... 4,000 people make decisions. A month later, I went back, and I couldn't find one disciple. I said, we'll never do that again. You know, they, gotta, they have to be followed up and then spend uh, time with. Somebody should, should be doing it. Because um, what, you know, uh, what, you can look what Jesus did. I mean, did, when did the disciples become Christians? After the resurrection, after Pentecost. That's the first time? Did they put their faith in him at other times? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way they could have done miracles. There's no way. They would have Where was it? Where was it? Where did they become Christians? When Jesus called them. They started calling Called them? All right. How about at the marriage feast of Canaan? Put their faith in him there. But he didn't say, oh, that's enough. I'm done. I'm done. He didn't see a stopping point with that. 
He didn't say, okay, next group, I'm in here. You know, we don't even know exactly when he received Christ. I mean, they put their faith in him in the marriage, but when they were on the boat, he said, where's your faith? He's looking for a life of faith. That's what he's concerned about. And where is our vision? Is it on just conference? Decisions. Is that what it is? Then that's where you're going to stop. But if your vision is like Jesus and Paul, I said no. I say milestone, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. If you uh, if you have a child, it's a great you've got a child, and then you should leave it. Yeah, I know. The child's gonna die. Yeah. And horror, horrifying things are gonna happen to that child. Now yeah. we we bring someone into the kingdom of God. Actually, God does right. that. He just yeah. And allows the part of They bring him into the kingdom of God. There's a <clears throat> there's a commitment there. Yeah. That child in Christ right. to help them grow. To yeah. And, you know, others will help partner with that, but yeah. we're all part of a body. But there's a commitment. Yeah. Long term. There's a long-term investment in that discipleship. And they have automatic respect for you, for one thing. You know, when I work with new believers, I haven't led to the Lord. I usually ask the person who led to the Lord to be with me for the first couple times. Because they don't know me. They don't trust me. But they trust that person who led them to the Lord. And then, after a few weeks, they start trusting me, and I can take over. You know? But in the beginning, it's got to be the person that leads the Lord. If he can attend with you, she can tell you and say, listen, I can't do it with you for whatever reason, but I'm going to sit with you for a couple weeks, you're going to get to know this person, and then they're going to move on. And you've done your work. You have. And uh, that will help, because you can't transfer trust. You know that. They trust you. You spoke the gospel to them. Who's this person? I mean, I don't know. But anyway, so that, these are just little wisdoms to give to you. And then we have a whole week of training what to do that, how to do that, how to develop their faith, and you know how to teach them the Word of God. I mean, what do we do with that? And how do we talk about fellowship? What's this thing about the body of Christ? I didn't uh, buy into that. I mean, I want to receive Jesus. What's this body of Christ thing? I mean, is it a is it a package deal? You know, and it is. <laughs> you know, it is. So, and there's a lot to explain with that. What is all that about? And how do I interact that with my life? But uh, maybe sometime in the future we'll, we'll do that. We train churches. We change pastors how to do this. But you got the most important things. you got some um, good examples, too, as well. And that's about all I could do this session. So thank you for listening. Okay, let's look, end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, uh, again, for all you've done in our life, Lord. We didn't deserve it. At all, Lord. And, but you, you did it for us. You knew us from uh, the beginning, Lord, before time was. And thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for your love. And Father, help us now to, to really help those who come to know you so that they don't learn bad habits or um, they just go back, Lord. Please help us as you lead people in our way to make decisions for you. Thank you, Lord. We love you, and we're going to look forward to spending eternity with you. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, I was supposed to say something about that. You can take the survey and read it, uh, work it, uh, fill it out. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I think there's more up here. Yeah. Thank you, sir. You're welcome.
You can. I'm, I'm going home, so I don't need them. This is the end of the session. If you want to take the booklets, they are picture, scripture, and explanation. And we take the method from God. We, we sort of stole it from God when he went with uh, Jeremiah saying, what do you see? And so you see, they say the picture. And then we, Jeremiah, he said to Jeremiah, we well, have seen well, let me explain it. And that's our method, teaching method. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Rich. Well, thank Good you for your you. interaction. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Part of New Song Community Church. Yeah.